0: Amen. Okay, so let's let's do a little bit of review. Uh, I'd like to start that by uh, reading the verses that we've been covering here. So uh, that we're going to be covering Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. These are the verses we're pulling from. And I believe that's a slide that we have. So here it is. <clears throat> Here's what Paul says to the Ephesians. What we're going to study this morning. He says this. This I say therefore, therefore, referring to everything he just talked about, which was what? What have we been talking about prior to this part of the study? What did we talk about? I made salsa at one point. What were we talking about? We had iron I brought in an iron at one point. What were we talking about? Yeah, the body of Christ growing, uh, sharpening one another, each body member or body part. You're a body part, okay? Uh, Chloe's like a, like a, a fingernail, just because, right? Um, you're a body part, and you serve a different role in this body. That's what we've been talking about. And so Paul says, therefore, because of that, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth from now on walk not as other Gentiles in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance that is in them and this is where we'll pick up he says because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with with greediness So we talked about the first three markers. Number one, the first marker uh, we talked about of an established body member is the contents of their mind. What is the content of your mind? And we got that from these Gentiles, these other people that Paul's saying, don't walk like them. They walked in the vanity of their mind. Their thought life was emptiness. They were pursuing things that had no real true meaning. And the question was, What's your thought life like? What do you think about? Are you thinking and talking and actuating just vanity or wholesomeness? Real things that have an eternal purpose. An effective or established body member is thinking through real things, not just vanity. Right. Marker number two we talked about our ability to see God moving. So they walk in the vanity of their mind. And he also describes them as having the understanding darkened. So the word understanding, I think about like this. Like it's like there's a, a floor, right? Which is actually a glass ceiling. How could the glass floor be a glass ceiling? This is like a brain warm up. How could a glass floor be a glass ceiling? you stand underneath it because there's two stories, right? Okay. So there's things happening on this top story and they have a glass floor, but it's a glass ceiling and you can see what's happening, right? If we're on the same plane, right? If I'm on the same plane as you, I can't see whoever's behind Anji and I can only see half of Anji's face right now. I can't really see what all is going on. Why? Because I have it right here. But If there were a glass floor and I was underneath everyone, I could see more. I could have a different perspective. I could see how things are standing, why things are happening, where people are moving. And so that's similar. It's probably a poor analogy of our understanding being darkened. Can you see God moving? When you look into other people's lives, do you see what God is doing? Or do you just see people acting a certain way, people talking a certain way, people wearing clothes a certain way? Do you just see the, right? And if you can't see God moving, your understanding might be darkened. And we're going to kind of hint at why that might be today. I had a, a friend. Do you guys know who Xander is? Well, there's a guy named Xander. He's, uh, he's a, uh, he's 21. but He looks like he's 40. <clears throat> he's got a beard. He's big man right drives a nice Ford F-150 those are cool and he works at Honeywell so he's like a grown man and he told me after prayer this morning we're walking down he's like dude we're talking about Honeywell actually he's like I, I, Lord, I was like what and so he tells this story that they're at like the drinking fountain essentially and this dude walks up to him Asks him about church. The conversation starts to be about church. This guy goes to a church somewhere and somewhere else. And uh, so he asks them about their evangelism because the name of the church happens to be Evangel. So he's talking about evangelism. And the guy's like, blah, 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 And then Xander's like, well, our church does this thing where we go out and we talk to people about jesus and he and he walks him through the romans road which is what they talk, uh, talk about and hit the streets and the guy's like can we go talk about that can we go talk about that somewhere else and xander's like yes of course so they step outside and he walks through the gospel and this this dude before xander even completes the sentence hey do you want to accept before he even does that he says yes I need to takes his hat off he leads that man to the Lord God is moving do you see that are you even talking about that are the people that you hang out with even concerned with those kinds of things your understanding is it darkened or is it enlightened do you see God moving the third marker uh, was related to the phrase where Paul says being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that some People are separated, alienated, made foreign to the life of God. The life of God is happening over here, and they're separated from it. Why? Because of the ignorance that's in them. And we talked about. What is the quality of your, of, of your life? Are you enjoying the life of God, or are you separated from it? Are you miserable? Are you depressed and lonely? Lost in the vanity of your thoughts? Blind from God moving in and through your life? Kind of just going through the motions. And the reason we discussed would be because you don't know God. You say, I know God. Okay, but like A plus B has to equal C. A plus B can't equal anything else. Right? One plus one equals two. So if you don't know God's word, you don't actually know God to know Christ, to know His Word. And if you're not spending time with God in His Word, as spiritual, as loving, as kind, as Christian, as you think you are, you're actually not. Sorry. You might be very lovely and pleasant. But if you don't know God's Word, you don't know God. And if you don't know God, the quality of your life is going to deteriorate that's how that works if you i mean if you play it out someone who is in the word regularly they're knowing god they're growing closer to god their quality of life will be higher than the person who says i don't need church i don't need the word of god i don't need to do the things that jeff always tells me to do and in six months from now you look at those two different people and their perspective on life will be dynamically different one will have joy and the fruit of the spirit the other will be miserable knowing and acknowledging that they're wasting time. That's just how it works. That's how it is. So let's keep going. Let's hit the next two markers. They're going to come from the next part of verse 18. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. It says this. He also describes them, uh, this ignorance that is in them, this alienation from the life of God. He, ha- he says it's because of the blindness of their heart, the blindness of their heart. Some people have a blind heart, and this is marker number four. We're talking about the condition of our heart connection, our heart connection. So knowing God happens in right? Knowing, if you know something, it's in your brain. Okay, but having a blinded heart, there's also a connection to God with your heart. So we're comparing blindness of heart. Versus surety of heart. So to know Christ is to know what? To know Christ is to know. Everybody say it. To know Christ is to know his word. Okay. To love Christ. To know Christ is to know his word. But to love Christ is what? To obey his word. Okay, so we're going to draw a connection between your love, your heart connection, and your obedience. That's where we're going here. Now, if you're a rebellious person, you're not going to like this. But I'm sorry. Here's what we do. We set our affection. We love God when and only when we actually love God only when we resolve in our heart and our mind to obey Him no matter what you say i love god i come to church every sunday i love god i i was i was born going to this church my parents started this church i love god well if you don't obey him no you don't anything short of simple resolve to obedience Anything short of that is to not choose to love God, but rather to choose to love yourself and your will over his. He said, this sounds really harsh, Jeff. What are you talking about? Well, singing praise and worship songs really loudly, hitting that harmony just beautifully, perfectly. Nobody cares. I mean, it's great. We love it. It sounds cool, but that does not show that you love God. It doesn't. Church attendance, like we talked about, even talking with your friends about Jesus in and of itself. Is not necessarily an established heart connection to the Lord. Right. Here's what the Bible says. First John, chapter three. He says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but indeed. And what? In truth. So we are called to love people, to love God according to truth, in truth, according to how God says to do it. Well, how does God say we should love him in particular? John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, okay, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's that mean? What does it mean to keep his commandments? Do you know what it means to keep something? It means to obey it. It means to take it in and to protect it, to not let something get it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to hold on to it. God tells me. If God tells me I need to talk to people about Jesus, if he has led me to do that, well, I'm going to do it, even if it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. If he tells me I need uh, to give up this pet sin in my life, well, I've got to do it. That's what Jesus says is love. Furthermore, in John 15, 14, he says, ye are my friends. If what? If you sing really loud, if you show up all the time, if you're really pleasant to all the people in the room, you know, if you hand them coffee or you, you know, you bake a a treat for the class, if you do that, then you're my friends. Nah, those are certainly part of it. Those are all really good things. He says, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. If you do what I tell you, then you're my friend. He said, that sounds like a bad friend. It would be if if that's what I said. I would be a terrible friend if I said, you're my friend if you do whatever I tell you. But I'm not the God of the universe. Nor did I die for your sin on the cross. But there is a man who did that. And he wants to be your friend, but he expects obedience. Here's the critical question for you. A couple of them. Number one, do you love God biblically? Meaning, do you love God how he says to love him, by obeying him? So I want you to think about that. As you're writing down those notes, I want you to actually be a little bit introspective. Think about your life. Think about your heart condition right now. Are you in a place of surrender and obedience? Or is there something that you know God is calling you to do, but but I've got a reason why I can't obey. And there are going to be a plethora of reasons, good reasons why you shouldn't obey logical reasons that make a lot of sense reasons why you shouldn't obey but none of them are right none of them are right the only right answer is to simply trust and obey next critical question for you here if you're not in a place where you're willing to obey God no matter what what is hindering you from not doing that what's getting in the way all right, we all have a free will. Raise your hand if you have a free will. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You know why you didn't raise your hand? Because you have a free will. your hand. You have the ability to exercise your free will where you do something or you don't do it, including obeying God. And some of you don't obey God. Some of you are in the habit, I'll say, of not obeying God. Because we all disobey God. We're all imperfect. We're talking about the whole of your life. Why? Why are you in that place of rebellion? Why have you not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Why haven't you been saved? Why haven't you plugged into a Bible study? Which I'm not saying that the Lord, you know, has some verse in there that says you have to be in a Bible study. But he does say you got to be accountable. He does say to follow the pastor's lead. And I'm not... I'm not pulling the pastor card like, hey, you better submit. But you better submit. <laughs> Seriously. You better submit. And it's not because I have all the answers. But if I'm led by the Lord to direct our calls in some direction, it's not about me, you guys. It's about the Lord. And he gave me to you. And I I didn't choose it. And I certainly don't think I'm a special gift, but my Bible says that he gave us pastors and teachers, and I happen to be a pastor and a teacher, and there are teachers in this room, and he gave me to you to lead you and to direct you and to build you for the work of the ministry. So you better submit. And the consequence, I don't know, but I know this, the benefit is that you can have and experience the life of God. You cannot be alienated from it, right? You can be enjoying ministry. Why aren't you simply obeying? Consider this. I have a proposition of why it might be. Seeing God, not loving God, not believing God, or obeying God is a result of a hardened heart, a blinded heart, or a despondent heart. Maybe your heart, heart is, is too hard. You say, I've got my will, and your will is not going to impact it. Ugh. No, my heart is hard. I'm really hard. I'm really tough. I know the answer. My will is strong. That's how I am too. Kind of bullheaded, really annoying. Yeah, I get it. Maybe your heart is hard. I don't know. Maybe your heart is simply blinded. You just don't see it. Maybe you haven't been saved. Or maybe you have a despondent heart. Your heart is so numb. Your heart is so uh, apathetic because you've heard this message before and not responded. And so therefore you hear it again and you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Don't really care. Heard that before. Maybe you've tuned out. Maybe you're not listening even right now for the Lord, the, for the Lord to speak directly to you. Maybe you have put him off at arm's distance. Your heart doesn't even respond to the word of God anymore. Maybe it doesn't provoke you and prick your heart. Maybe at the end of a service, you don't even care that Sam is inviting you, inviting us to respond to God in the area that he has clearly spoken to in our lives. There are people, I talked to someone last week that they said, man, I tuned in online, Sam was preaching, and then it was like he was preaching. He was talking right to me. He was talking to me in my specific situation. Don't you know that God will do? At every time you open the Word, and don't you know He'll do that every time you show up to a service if your heart is ready for it. But maybe your heart is despondent. Says Nah. And we're gonna talk about the condition of your heart. But see what Jesus says about our heart condition. So Luke chapter eight verses eleven through fifteen, we got these verses here for you. It says this. Uh, Jesus, in explaining this parable of, of a man who sows seed, he says this. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then come with the devil and take it away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And so let me propose to you that maybe some of our hearts are like the wayside. We hear the word of God, and you know what we do with it? You know what we do with it? We hear it and we're like, okay, yeah, I'll put that back here. I'll put, I mean, that's cool. Like, I believe it's true. I'm just going to set it back here because that's not for me. And do you know what happens to that word in your mind? It vanishes. You put it out of sight, out of mind. Maybe that's the condition of your heart. You just take it and it deflects over here into the wayside. He says, they on the rock are receive the word with joy and these have no root which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away and so this is the hard heart maybe your heart is really hard and so when the word of God comes in you receive it with joy you know you're you've gone through some stuff you're really tough that's cool okay it's cool to be tough it's good to be tough but your heart is hard so you receive it you're like man I really needed that I needed that pick me up I needed God to encourage me But you don't let it saturate and soften your heart. And so it's on there. You receive that encouragement, but then life gets going and life gets hard again. And you know what? Because you're so tough and you're so hard, what happens to that word? It's away. You're too hard for that. Too hard-headed to just receive the spirit, the meekness, the gentleness of the Lord. God doesn't want you to have a hard heart. He doesn't need you to be tough. And he continues with the third type of soil that the seed, the word of God falls on for us. And he says, and that which fell among the thorns, the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Now, listen, I want to be up front. I don't have like a, a, a particular bone to pick with social media. I don't whatever. Okay, don't care. They don't matter to me. But some of you, even now, even now, the word is being sown into your heart. And the cares of this world are choking it out. You won't listen. Or maybe you are listening. And as soon as we leave this room, the first thing you're going to go to is your social media, your TikTok, your Snapchat, your Instagram, your whatever. And Again, I don't care. I, I look at those things. Whatever. But those things, you let them in, those thorns in your life, and the word of God is choked out. The word that you need, that we need. We're going to go into main service, and some of you are going to play on your phone the entire time when God is speaking, like the living God who created the universe is speaking to your heart. And we're going to let the cares and the temptations of this world choke it out? Come on. He says, but that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. They keep it. And what happens to those who have a good and an honest heart? They recognize, man, I got nothing and I need God's word in my heart. It's ready, my heart is prepared for the word of the Lord. My heart is prepared for Sunday morning. I went, you know what? When I wake up on Sunday mornings, my heart is not prepared to hear from the Lord. It's not. And neither is yours. What I do to combat that is I open my Bible. I read where I'm at in my daily reading. I put together my PowerPoint, reviewing my message. I show up at 8.30 a.m. up into the balcony and I pray with the other, other people that show up there. Why? Because I need to prepare my heart. Because it's hard. It's been entangled with dreams about catching fish. (laughs) I have to prepare and till the ground to receive the seed of the Word of God. And if we will keep that Word, the Bible says that we can bring forth fruit. There's something in my life that I'm really looking forward to. My eternal life. When I get to the judgment seat of Christ, one thing I'm really hanging on to is I'm going to look at Joshua Orr. And I'm going to say, that's my crown of rejoicing. And you know what's going to be so exceptional about that? Is that I'm not just going to look at Josh. I'm going to look at others of you even, hopefully. But I'm going to look at uh, a Jorge. I'm going to look at a Jake Bruce. I'm going to look at middle schoolers whose names I don't even know. And Josh is going to have fruit. And I'm going to be able to say, wow, like I, in a roundabout way, had a part in that. There souls in heaven worshiping Jesus because God used me. And again, it's nothing special about me. I was just in the right place at the right time and willing to let God use me in a dude's life who I used to work at Planet Sub with. I worked at a job like all of you have. These little jobs that make a little bit of money and you perform some service. That's perfect. I did that. And I was nothing special. I just invited a friend, a person I didn't really even know. Hey, you want to come to my church? And he happened to say yes. I was like, what? And so we connected, and God just led that friendship through some miserable years of basketball into some discipleship. You can do the same thing, literally the exact same thing. You say, well, I'm not an adult. I can't do discipleship. Maybe you haven't been a lot. <clears throat> there's a thing called mentorship. It means everything to us. You are not a mentor. But you know what? It doesn't end there. We're not all about you. You know what we're all about? We're all about souls. And so we're all about you getting all about souls. And so I want to mentor Gavin, not because Gavin is really awesome. He wears the pit viper things and the Bass Pro shot. He's ready to go fishing. I'm ready to go fishing. Let's do this. But I, I, I care about him and that investment very much. But I'm looking to the next person which we've even talked about. I'm looking for who's, who's going to be next. Who are we going to get to invest in? How can we get more souls? Same with Ken. Same with Charlie. That's what I want, man. Let's invest in more. Let's get more. You guys do that. You have a place. Be faithful to mentorship. Get going. Keep his word. Let him bear fruit in your life. Now, back to your heart. Maybe your heart is hard. Maybe you just kind of you disregard God's word. Maybe it's hard. Maybe there's, there's cares in your life. There's things that are choking out the word. I would say this. Here's kind of your key point. We must be a farmer of our heart. You've got to be a farmer of your heart. Now my grandpa had like 8,000 tomato plants. He was a farmer. He sold produce, and uh, so I've been thinking a lot about my grandpas, and I'm discovering my country roots. I'm listening to country music, like Fourth of July. I'm like excited, celebrate, like, Hitler right? <clears throat> but seriously, I, I did, I did, I do recall at my grandpa, grandpa Frank's house. I recall his big open fields and in, in the gardens. And he had gardens all over his property. And I remember these gigantic um, barrels, blue barrels. And they had this blue substance in them. What was that? It's fertilizer, right? And I remember like, what in the world is that? My grandpa would always fertilize his fields with these big blue barrels of, it looked like a humongous barrel of Kool-Aid. And he would put that in his gardens, and he had this big blue Ford tractor that I got to ride on sometimes. And I remember that was really cool. And, and he had another little smaller red tractor. And he had a big shed. He had a big brown tractor. And he had all these different tools and these different chemicals and these different mechanisms that he would use to work the ground. He worked hard for that ground to be soft. We have to do the same thing. You have to work hard to have a soft heart. Like you're gonna have to sweat a little bit. You're gonna have to show up on Tuesday after Tuesday night prayer or hangout, and just labor in prayer. Like we meet after Tuesday night prayer, and we don't. We're not like really refreshed, ready to get to work, bro. It's like eight forty-five. I'm ready to go home, but I know I need my heart to be soft. We got to dig in. We got to pray. It's hard work. Let's get this last uh, marker, marker number five. So as we continue through the passage, Paul describes these Gentiles, which are believers living like the lost or actual lost people. Right? These Gentiles that he's saying we shouldn't walk like them, we shouldn't look like the lost. And he describes these people as having crossed. A significant in their heart. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, Who, these people who have a darkened heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So they're they're past or beyond feeling. They don't feel anymore. There is a place we can all find ourselves in. Where we're numb to the Holy Spirit's nudging. Where we're in a place that our flesh wants to just go all in and sin. Same. It's all good. Just just go. Each of us can find ourselves in that place. It's like the lifeguard. You're at a pool. Lifeguard continually tells you to stop running on the pool deck. But you're at the pool. Right. So you're running because, you know, you got to go home someday. So you got to have your fun now. So you're running to the diving board and you're doing the flips and you're doing the flops and you get out and you run back to the diving board. And the lifeguard's like, stop running. Stop. Hey, stop running. And you say, yeah, yeah, right. okay, whatever. And you keep going. And he's begging you. He's begging you for your sake. Stop running but you disregard him cuz you gotta enjoy your time at the pool so eventually the lifeguard stops hollering at you he says okay why cuz you're ignoring him anyways <laughs> you've you've quenched his voice you don't you no longer are concerned with what he's But what's he do? He stops bugging you, you, and you're running on the pool deck, and you're like, hey, he's not saying anything. And what happens? You slip, and you split your head wide open, and you're bleeding out on the pool deck, and you are sent home. I'll tell you, you can find yourself in that place. If you disregard the Holy Spirit's nudging and leading in your life, the Bible says that, hey, quench not the Spirit. Stop ignoring or stifling God's leading. Why? Because you can. You can stifle His leading. You can ignore the lifeguard. And what will happen if you just pursue this path of doing what you want to do? Well, you're going you're gonna to crash and burn. Because if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. That's what's going to happen. Marker number five is this. What is the level of sensitivity to the Spirit? These people were past feeling, and we contrast that with what we ought to be experiencing, which is obeying God's leading. So we obey God's Word, and God's Spirit uses His Word to lead us. We obey God's leading. because we can find ourselves past feeling as well. And so here is a critical question for you. Let you write that down for, if you need need that one, I can get it for you. But the critical question is, do you sense God's spirit leading you? And so I'll give a couple examples of this. Uh, I, I knew when I was in high school, I knew once I got saved, I got in a relationship with a girl and I thought, well, she's saved. I'm saved. It's all good. Had girlfriends before, not a big deal, right? It's all the same. I could do the same thing. I could think the same thing, same way, whatever, right? But I quickly found out, no. And and there there were many sermons preached that I heard that I knew just like that guy was talking about who said Sam was talking right to him I knew that the preacher God was using uh, him to speak directly to my situation I knew I needed to to end that relationship with that girl it wasn't because she was some wicked person and I was some wicked person It was because this relationship is is going nowhere fast it is a whole lot of vanity It's a whole lot of contrary to God's word. It's wasting time. It's wasting purity. And I knew it and I heard it. And I said, "Mm." so I'd go and I'd hang out with her and I'd drive home and I'd be in my car and I'd be like, man, I need to break up with her. To turn my music up louder. Uh, okay, there we go. There we go. Get home, go to sleep, ignore it. I'll just sleep this off. This can't be the Lord. I'll just sleep this one off. Time and time again. God led me, and I ignored it. And I wasted like, what, four or five years of my life? Another example is. Okay, so I finally ended that relationship. And then I jumped into another big mistake. And so I was like, hey, you know what, I'm going to be a rescue swimmer. So I swam in high school and college. So I like I know how to swim. And I was like you know what I should put this to good use I want to I want to be a hero and I watched that movie uh, The Guardian with Ashton Kutcher who is a rescue swimmer and I'm like that needs to be me so I literally begin training in my friend's pool I'm doing like these water treading drills and like I'm really working hard at it. I'm trying to do push-ups and I'm doing hundreds of push-ups because I'm getting ready for this I'm gonna be a hero I'm gonna be a rescue swimmer and I fill out the test thing that i have to do in the application I meet with the recruiter and i'm making phone calls and i meet with my discipler and he says hey listen man uh i got some questions for you if you were to do this we end uh, uh discipleship early are you going to continue to grow and you're going to continue on this path of growth with the lord and i said Just turn the music up louder please hurry Turn his volume down. So I, you know, I called the Coast Guard. I said, Hey, I'm looking to join the Coast Guard. They said, We're not hiring until like 2021. And that was like 2014 or something. I, I was like, Wait, but I need this. I was like, Well, hey, what do you mean? I can't, like, Okay, cool. Call the Navy. They got rescue swimmers. Got them. So I called the Navy. And it's a different process in the Navy, right? I was looking, I mean, it was, it was, I was essentially going the path of becoming a Navy SEAL, which what man doesn't want to be like a Navy SEAL, right? But at that point, I was like, man, that's a long path. Oh, and I knew I shouldn't be on it. And thank the Lord, I didn't go through with it, right? I didn't go through with it some of you this morning are being led in something. Maybe it's not quite as significant. Maybe it is. You know that you're being led in some way or another. How, how sensitive is your heart to God's leading? How sensitive is your heart to that leading? Now, there's a reason Paul gives us some sensitivity training. He gives us some sensitivity training here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I would ask that you just dial in here with me, okay? we got two passages. I'm just going to read through them. We're going to kind of begin to wrap this up. Please hang with me here, okay? You're going to get refreshed during the break. Get your coffee. I only had day-old coffee, so I'm with you, man. We're running on fumes right now. It's okay. Paul says, Rejoice evermore. You ought to have a heart of rejoicing. Pray without ceasing. you got to keep that connection of conversation with God. In everything, give thanks. You need to have a heart that's sensitive to be thankful, even in hard things. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we've got a few instructions. Rejoice, pray, be thankful. He also says, quench not the spirit despise not prophesying. In other words, don't disregard when someone is speaking the word of God. Don't disregard that. He says, prove all things. Don't just jump onto something that looks good. He says, hold fast that which is good. Retain the things that are good. Don't give up on things that God has for you. He says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Appearance does matter to God. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, now he's asking God for something, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. We are called to not quench the spirit, to not despise prophecy. Paul prayed to be sanctified and preserved blameless. Why? Why? Because we each have the ability to disregard the spirit. You can quench the spirit. We have the ability to disregard God's word. We have the ability to reject sanctification. So instead of being separated from the world and looking different from the lost world, instead of putting on truth, we can just put on what the world offers. We have the ability to reject blamelessness. We have the ability to exercise our free will and follow our flesh, the world, and the devil instead of the Spirit of God. And what that is, is we can run down a path into the world, into worldliness. We can take that path. It starts with one step. It's not like you could decide right now that you're going to be a crack dealer, you probably actually couldn't. If you went up to some homeless person, you were like, I would really like to start selling crack. What can I do? They probably legitimately would not let you, right? I mean, if Lula walked up to somebody, she's like, hey, I'm really looking to be a gangbanger. (laughs) Any openings? They'd be like, little girl, no way. What's it start with? It starts with subtle, small. Compromises of disregarding God's spirit. That's what it starts with. He said, that will never happen to me. I know handfuls of students who have said, that won't happen to me. And I have no clue where they're at. I know some of them are posting pictures. I know a dude who posts pictures of himself that make me want to legitimately throw up. Legitimately, he was a sweet kid, very pleasant. Apparently, did not love God because he didn't obey him. Subtle compromises. We can run down that path, but that path gets colder and colder the further down you go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, last passage, just hang with me here. It says this. Paul says to Timothy, this know also. says, you need to know this, that in the last days, Perilous times shall come. It's going to be dangerous and crazy. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Don't you recognize that's happening? That's all influencers are. They're just lovers of themselves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Come on. We just got done celebrating a whole month of debauchery and disgust. Pride week? We're celebrating sin? What? Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. These are the people that are in the world that you can listen to, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They look real churchy. They look real spiritual. They say a lot of the right things, but denying the power thereof from such, he says, turn away for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins led away with diverse lusts ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth now as janice and john withstood moses so do they resist the truth where did those people start where did all these these truth breakers the heady the high-minded the lovers of themselves more than lovers of god where did they start where does it say they started These also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, and here's a word, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was also. There are men and women, here's what I'm getting at, who are far down that path into worldliness. And they are living a double life like some of you are beginning to do now. I go to church. I also go to the world, and I enjoy the benefits of both. And you can't tell what I am. Well, they've gone far down that path, living that double life, and they are bad company. We can find ourselves listening to the wrong people, following the wrong people, and then abiding with the wrong people. And the Bible describes these people as reprobate concerning the faith. Did you know that you and I can become reprobate concerning the faith? say, what on earth does that mean? It's a good question. Reprobate is a weird word, but here's what it means. Reprobate means cast away, rejected, unfit. It's like a, a metal term. So you're you know, forging metal, you're making metal, you're purifying metal, and the, the dregs or the things that are unfit for this piece of metal, you cast them away. That's what reprobate means. And we can be that concerning the faith. When you will reject God, when you will resist truth, what happens is you follow that path and you become useless. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can lose your salvation. I'm not saying that. I'm not teaching that. It's not true. But if you quench the Spirit, you can find yourself in a cold, cold place. This is the potential of all who will reject God's truth. They'll resist it. They'll disregard God's Word in their heart and continually quench the Spirit. And I've been hitting that really hard, and you're probably done hearing it. Sorry, I'm done. But I'll leave you with this last exhortation. As we wrap up here. Because I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking to you. Whoever you are. Submit to God. Before it's too late. It's too late. Because there's something you might be working through. And you've got an option on the table to not obey. Don't take that, man. Take the option that is to obey. Now, what I would really like to do right now, really briefly, we're not going to do some prolonged exit, but I do want you to close your eyes. Give give us some privacy here, okay? I'm just going to pray for you. We're going to be dumb. We're going to be dismissed. But I do want to know how I can pray for you here. So if you will close your eyes. And if just a few moments, just disregard the world, this room. It's just just you. Don't get on your phone. Listen to my voice. Consider what I consider what I what I'm throwing at you. If you recognize that there's something you need to either obey in or not obey, you know you're at a point of decision, that something God is leading you in. Put your hand. Nobody's looking around. Just me. Several people. Okay. You put your hands down. If you know. That your heart simply is sensitive to God's leading. Your heart is not sensitive to God's leading. Can you put your hand up? Again, I'm just, just going to pray for you. Your heart is despondent. I see you. Maybe your heart, you don't even care. Maybe it doesn't matter. Okay, and then lastly, maybe you know that you're not saved. And I'm not asking you to be saved right now. That is a, certainly an offer. But I'm not going to pressure you or push you to make some big decision in this moment. But I do want to know if that is a decision you're working through. If you'd raise your hand, if you don't know for certain that you're, you're born again, that your sin is paid for, and you have a, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, if you don't know that to be true, if you don't know you're saved, can you put your hand up? I see you. And again, I just want to pray for you. I'm going to give you one more, one more chance here. If, if you know you're not saved, put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your word. God, your word is can be very uncomfortable. And uh, God, I know that I fail to effectively communicate it. And yet, God, it's your word that matters. And your word being sent forth serves its own purposes. And uh, God, so, man, I, I just ask... That, Lord you would help the students who raised their hand that they had a decision to process. God would you give us grace to choose obedience? Would you give us that resolve view by obeying you? God would you uh, would you give us grace those who know that their heart lacks sensitivity, it's apathetic, it's despondent, to your word, our heart is maybe blinded, or our understanding darkened. God, would you help us to see clearly with the light of your word? Would it shine in our hearts so that we know how to think and move forward? And then, God, lastly, for the one, uh, the one young man who recognizes he doesn't know for sure that he's saved. God, thank you. Thank you for that honesty. Thank you for that vulnerability before you to just consider salvation. God, I'm asking that you would make it eternal life, how he can know you as Lord and Savior and he can walk with you for the rest of his life. God, make that clear. Lord, save him. Save his soul. Uh, and God, for the rest of us who didn't raise our hand, maybe we're processing at different points in you know that timeline of processing something, God, as we go into worship service, would you refresh us with this break so that we can go in and we can respond to the preaching of your word, to the singing of your praise, we can respond with worship ourselves, we can give to you what is due to you, which is just our heart and our lives, God, help us to do that. And, um, man, we ask that you bless this time as we go into it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're dismissed. If you've got a decision, to process, and you want to do that with us before we go into main service, please do so. Hey, before you leave, I want to encourage you. There's two sections that the students typically sit in. Hey, listen, I just want to be real clear, okay? I'm not offended if you sit in that section way in the back, away from everybody else. That's cool. Nobody's mad at you. But I want you to know that you're invited to sit with the student ministry, the high school class in particular. If there were assigned seats for years, well, I'm the teacher and I moved the assigned seats. So now the high school ministry officially sits in the middle pew near the front. And there's plenty of space by students and old people that sit and we want you to sit with us. We don't want you to hide in the back. We want you to come up front. Middle school sits on that side. Uh, we want to give them that space and let other people fill in the back. Okay? So please sit with us, middle. And if you have something to work through, let us know. Okay? All right. I love you, Dismiss.